everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Granitown Media's Inside Milford. My name is Tim Finan, and I will be your host for today's episode. I'm very excited about this week's guest. Steve Erdoti has been a teacher at Milford Middle School for the past three decades. That's right, right? Yeah, you three, just, yeah, just started yeah. your, my 30th. Just yeah. starting your 30th year, wow. Uh, Steve was also recently honored at this year's Pumpkin Festival as the 2019 Milford Citizen of the Year. A very well-deserved honor, I might add. I've known Steve for many years. I believe you had all three of my boys. I did. You do remember. I, yeah. I wasn't oh, quite I sure. No, yeah, I did. Um, in class at one point or another. So I was thrilled when you agreed to sit down and talk to us. Well, thanks for coming in, Steve. And congratulations yet again <laughs> for, for your award. So that's pretty exciting. So what was it like? Were you, were you surprised? Did you have any? I, I didn't really. But when I got over, we normally watch the firemen go up the ladder, the pumpkin get lighting and over in the far corner. I'm like, well, that's where everybody's going. They're like, we're going to go to the other side. Uh, why are we going over there? We always watch it from here. And then I started seeing some people that I wouldn't normally think would be standing around there, teach people I teach with, and oh. um, that. So I was kind of, so I said to somebody, it's like, is this what I think? What do you mean? What do you mean? And then my daughter, Lily, kind of walked me over. And I'm like, Lily, is this what I think? Well, look, why is Grammy in the front row sitting over there? You know? <laughs> so, and then when they started reading it, of course, I'm kicking the dirt and trying not to look up. Or and then I, you know, it wasn't really until then that I really kind of understood what was going on. Yeah, just so the people, people don't know. The way they generally do the citizens, yeah, they some somebody a member of your family will be told, and then it's kind of their responsibility to get you there. So it tends to be a surprise. And, and my wife didn't dare tell some of my friends because they figure it's going to go all over. And Steve's <laughs> going to hear about it, and so she did a pretty good job of keeping it secret. So that's good. That's excellent. I. I Actually, I did listen to your speech by about a half an hour ago. We were just talking about this, but I had I hadn't listened to it prior. To, I wasn't there. I was over with the with the as you I think you know I'm a uh, member of the Rotary Club and we were running the, the beverage tent. the beverage the <laughs> beverage tasting facility that at the same time. So I couldn't come over. So what I don't I don't want you to repeat your speech, but like what what in general what did you uh, talk about? First of all, I was just I was kind of overwhelmed. I still every time I talk about it, I get overwhelmed just thinking about you know I'm that kid that grew up in town. I mean, I'm the oldest of five boys, five boys in six years, and my mom pretty much raised us by herself. My grandfather ran a concrete business in town, Steve Ryder, and uh, he was just busy with work, and my dad wasn't what I would call, would put it this way, when they got divorced, we were all kind of like, really? He's not coming back? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, so my mom raised us, and we had our ups and downs, so in, in looking back at it, you know, I kind of said it in my thing, it probably came up choppy, but if people looked at me at that age and said, okay, and 40 years, will he be getting a Citizen of the Year award or being kicked off the Oval so something was going on? I bet you there'd be people voting mm-hmm. either way. So it just, I don't know, I guess it's kind of George Bailey feeling a little bit, you know, that it is. You're, you're at times going through, man, what's going on? What am I trying to do? Am I doing things right? You know, at the end, you kind of realize that the little things you do make a difference in your town. Mm-hmm. And uh, people notice it. And I, I don't do it to be noticed. I mean... Somebody said to me before, you know, about it, I said, well, you know, I've been nominated for Technology Teacher of the Year, but the minute you do that, you have to go ask people to write things to say good things about you. I I don't want that. And this year, out of nowhere, really just, I guess people noticed. So Mm -hmm. it makes me feel good that I've been able to give back to a town that I know helped shape me. Yeah. Truly. Oh, that's great, because that's that's really what it's supposed to be about. So you you mentioned that you grew up here. You weren't born in Milford, though. Where were you no, born? I was born in Big Rapids, Michigan. Oh. And then uh, we moved back to Milford when I was real little. My grandfather's farmhouse is where Advanced Auto Parts in Chapangas is now. It was the Crosby okay. Farm okay. is what it was then. So we lived there. And like I said, my grandfather ran right of concrete in town. 
So we lived with him. Then we moved back to Michigan. I started kindergarten out there, and we came back here. And for whatever reason, when I started school here in Milford, I was five years old as a first grader. Mm-hmm. And so I was very young. I tell, tell my own sixth graders this story because the first day they come in, I try to find out about them, and then I share about me. I said, you know, a lot of you guys, when you go to school for the first day, your mom takes you in and holds your hand and pinches your cheek and says, good luck, and walks in. I said, my mom had the four other brothers. So I walked. We moved uh, between Rite Aid and... Uh, stage festival. My mom still lives there today, right on the oh, corner okay. of Granite Street. Yep. And uh, walked by myself, didn't know anybody. And uh, the teachers would come out to the top steps at Garden Street and they'd call off their names and the kids would go in. Next teacher comes out, calls a name, kids go in, calls a name. Finally, I'm looking around by myself and I'm like, they didn't call me. Mrs. Ribadu, the principal, said, uh, son, how come you didn't go in? I'm like, well, they didn't call my name. So she goes, well, what's your name? I said, Stephen Erdody. And she goes, oh, you're in Miss Guyette's room. So she walks me down the hall. She goes, Miss Guyette, are you missing anybody? She goes, yes, I'm missing a Stephan Eridi. <laughs> you know, you're five years old. You, you, you think, you don't know that people know how to say, say your name. And, you know, I told, told my kids at school, that was my first experience in school. But, yeah, I've been in town ever since then. Graduated from Milford, went to Milford Middle School. I'm like, welcome back, Cotter, the sweat hog that went back to school to teach, I guess. is People don't know who welcome back, Cotter, is anymore. But, um <laughs> You people know. don't know who George Bailey is. Yeah, well, people yeah, probably know yeah, who George maybe, Bailey is. But, you know, but yeah, I've been in. So you, so you went to uh, Garden Street for kindergarten? No, no, because no, it wasn't first kindergarten. There wasn't just got kindergarten. kindergarten I, a couple I years finished ago. kindergarten in Framingham with my grandmother, and then when okay. we moved back up, yeah, first grade. So first grade at, at Garden Street. Second grade, we were the only second grade class over at Garden at Jocks. There was one second grade class over there, and I was in that one. Third, fourth, and Bates. fifth. Bates. Yeah. Yeah, at Bales, okay. fourth and fifth at Bales, and I was the first sixth grade class to go to Milford Middle School, because oh, before the, the, that, it was the junior high in Amherst and Mont Vernon went there, so mm-hmm. it was part of the junior high, so I was the first sixth grade class to go there as a middle school. So was that part of MASH? Well, I mean, was no, MASH? No, no I it, was, know. it was the building itself. The right. building itself had been there, but that's when Amherst built their middle school, so their okay. kids went over there, and we went up. Well, that's pretty cool. So you grad, I've got. So you graduated from Milford High in eighty two. Yeah, nineteen eighty two. So that's that's pretty cool. So who was Brad there yet? No, Brad wasn't there. In I had Brad. I had Brad as a teacher. As a teacher, Brad his first year teaching. Yeah, okay. I did. It was you know kind of cool. I remember I had him for a communications media class, and I remember we watched Doctor Strangelove in class. That was one of his lessons. And, oh, cool. Um, it was funny because he worked at the stage festival at the time, and my brother Dan was involved with helping out. At, you know, he would go over and tear down. I mean, he was young. I mean, he was 10, 12 years old, but he loved that stuff. He'd go over to the, what do they call it, the takedown nights or whatever, and he'd go stay overnight down there and help so, him take So Brad it was into that then, too. Yeah, 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 very much so, yeah. Brad Crame, for those who, uh, who don't know. Former Milford High School principal, great principal. Yep. Just retired this year, so let's see. So how? So what was it like? So you grew up in Milford. I gotta have, it, have things changed a lot. Well, it was it was funny because it's um, one of those towns that feel like it didn't change, but I'm guessing to some of the ways it did and ways it didn't. I mean, if you look at our downtown, you'd recognize it mm-hmm. immediately. Little odd things were because my grandfather knew everybody, and my mother ended up being clerk of the courts and t- assistant clerk of the courts. So. Everybody knew, so you know, you'd end up spending your time waving, or you knew you couldn't do something, or you getting mm-hmm. somebody would find out about it. I mean, like baseball, it was go down to Shepherd Park. Mm-hmm. That, that was that was the only ball field. MCA fields didn't exist at the time. We played at Keys. The Keys was there. We still played, you know, a lot of things up behind Jocks at times. There would be practices. Middle school, I remember trying out for middle school baseball was behind Jocks. Yeah, there used to be a field on the Bale side of yes, Jocks. Yes, yeah, right. there was a fence there, and actually growing up. When I got a little bit older, that was where the Sohegan Valley Softball League played. We played 
modified there. But no, it was, it was a great town to grow up in. I mean, it really was. So then you, okay, so you graduated in 82. You already did some. I checked out LinkedIn. Check- so, so, oh, <laughs> so I've got some information. I'm pretty on limited you. on putting that stuff on too, really. So maybe it's not right. So, But yeah, but you went to Keene State, but it looks like you took a few years well, off. Well, what, what I did is I took a year off after high school. I didn't have the money to go to school. I, grad- I mean, I was 16 going into my senior year, so I was young. And I took a year off to work. And then a friend of mine I graduated, Scooter Gay, who ended up being a very good athlete, went to Western Carolina University. He goes, you ought to come down and uh, give this a go. Try out for baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a Division One. But all right, so I went down, I tried out, and it ended up being, you know. So which school was this? Western about? Carolina University. Okay, so in Culloway, North Carolina. I've got Keene here. That's not. Well, I did go to Keene, but that's that was after. So okay. I, went, I went there at first, tried to walk on the baseball team, and by the time that fall was over, the coach, the last guy, sorry Steve, it was mm-hmm. me and another guy, and uh, just wasn't room. But it was kind of cool that my work study job was for the track team. So I'd be out there trying to help set up mats and rake things and this and that. And javelin, I picked up the javelin and I just threw it one day. And the coach goes, geez, you know, why did you do that? So my work-study job was working and I got to do that at the same time. And actually threw in the Southern Conference. came in eighth place in the Southern Conference. So not bad for somebody who just picked it up and hucked it, you know. But So then I did transfer to Keene. Um, My brothers were getting a little bit older and I thought, be closer to give my mom a little bit of help. So I transferred to Keene and switched from going down there to be an accountant to being a, a shop teacher and uh, played baseball there my last two years. So I see your degree was industrial arts. Yes. What, what is that? That's a shop teacher. Oh, it's a shop? Yeah, shop teacher. Which yeah. is basically, it's basically, basically what, what you is, do yeah. now? I mean, tech ed teacher is a highfalutin shop teacher. <laughs> you know, like my friends all tell me I'm not a real shop teacher because I got all my fingers still. So I actually have that in the card here. Is that it? My fingers? <laughs> no. Is tech ed really shop? Yeah, I mean, it's what I always call it. I said it's just a little bit more. It's not just spending time, four hours sanding something. It's thinking. It's problem solving. It's working with others. And, um, and then after I graduated from Keene, which sometimes I didn't know I was going to get through because, you know, building was great at that time around here. And I just thought, Bill Brown, who worked at the high school, and I worked together, like, let's just, let's just build. And he's like, no, get your degree, get your degree. And then one of my t- professors there said, you know, with my grade point average, which was pretty good, um, he says, you can get assistantships. I'm like, well, what is that? He goes, well, or a fellowship. He goes, the colleges will pay you to go to school there, give you a job, and you get your degree. So I applied to Ball State and Bowling Green in Indiana, and I got and, uh, in Ohio. And I ended up going to Ball State on a one year, got my master's. They paid for it. And, wow, that's great. Um, yeah. And I actually took a job at, in New York. And, and uh, I was helping Mike Menino with a roof on Knight Street. And Steve O'Keefe, who was my middle school basketball coach, drives by. And he goes, Hansa Lawson's retired. Now, Hans had been there 40 years. A middle school teacher? Like, yeah, well, middle school, high school. Yeah, he okay. was a middle school, my shop teacher. And I'm like, yeah, but I already took a job. He goes, no, he goes, this happens all the time. So I go in and I apply, and the funny thing I found out, there was one other person who applied, and that was my seventh grade English teacher, Charlie Stevenson, who was a big role model for me. They said, Jim Stetson was the principal at the time, said, well, there is one other applicant, and you told Charlie it was me, and Charlie goes, I'm, I'm done. I take, I take it away, because um, he was a big influence to me, and I think it was... So he stepped away from the... He stepped away. So he, you he heard that you know I was interested. He's like... No, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, it's, he, he was he was one that really kind of turned me around. I mean, I had some great, great people growing up. I mean, like I said, my dad was gone, so some male role models, guys like Doug Bianchi used to take me out hunting first mm-hmm. few times hunting. Gary Webster would take me to ball games. When my grandfather died, a fellow named Norm Mockery really kind of became like a surrogate father. He could pick me up. I'd go up and help him build his house, and, and it was the teachers. 
Charlie Stevenson, Steve O'Keefe. Like I said, Steve O'Keefe literally gave me a pair of sneakers in eighth grade for basketball. So that's great. So, so you weren't looking to become a teacher. So, the industrial arts is that a teaching degree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you is. you did yeah. it in the back of your mind that you well, might like I, to teach. I went to school to be an accountant because I had Bill Brown in the high school, and I, I mean, I just thought it was great, you know. And I get to Western Carolina and I'm taking a couple of accounting classes and I'm like this isn't the same class I mean this is I mean I realized what it was and I said well what would I really like to do I like working with my hands I really want to coach I wanted to coach with kids and uh, so I switched been doing it for 30 years now so were you looking to were you actively looking for a teaching position you said you were roofing so it just um, well like I said at that time well, I was in the summer you know okay. that, that's what I've done Every summer, you know, pounding nails, building like this summer, I built a shed for somebody, built a deck for somebody. Like I mentioned, Mike Menino, a lot of times, hey, can you give me a hand for, you know, I helped him do Marilyn Kennison, John Kennison's house up in Peterborough a couple of years ago. Just mm-hmm. he needs an extra hand. So I had already, I was looking for a teaching job, but it just happened to be in the summertime. That's when I was doing it. So, and you just, just happened to land one at the school you And that to. was so weird because I would honestly say 75% of all my colleagues were people who were there when I was a student. So my first worry was, oh. you know, they're going to bring up all the things that <laughs> may have not gone well. I mean, being the oldest of five boys, none of us were mm-hmm. saints. And just to have them, but everybody was so accepting. It was so, no, no, no. You know, whatever you did as a kid, you did as a kid, you grow up and and. I think I kind of learned that a little bit, too, as it, when I went into teaching, that, you know, these kids, you can maybe make a difference to them now so that when they get a little bit older, they're, they're not. Well, you must, because you've been there so long, so you probably see, are there any teachers there now that, were, that you had? The only person who's still there is uh, our secretary, Sandy Crate, but no, I'm the, in the district itself. But over the years, you've probably hit a lot of them, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the third longest person in the district now, teaching-wise. Really? Yeah. There's a few people been there a little bit longer than me, but, yeah, it started in 1990, the fall of 1990. So you, so I'm sure you also see the other side, but you're probably seeing kids, probably have kids got of it. your... Every, every single class. I have uh, one seventh-grade class right now that they're coming up, they're doing these little CO2 cars, and they're on the bandsaw, and I just tell them, hey... If your dad can do it, you can do it. If your mom can do it, you can do it. I mean, it used to be, I talk about, if your older brother consistent, like say, you know, if Danny's coming, hey, if Robbie can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one class that I had last year, sixth grade. There were, uh, say, 17 kids. I had taught seven parents in that one class. Wow. You know, open house, every open house, there, there's former students in there. And I always say the minute somebody comes and goes, hey, you taught my grandfather, that's the time to say, <laughs> okay, I've had maybe enough. That's got to be pretty good leverage, though, because you've got that. It's like, you know, I had your... You oh, know, it I, is. It's wonderful. I mean, in a way, just to say, hey, do I need to talk to, to Tim, yeah. you know, or something? And they just realize that I know who they are. And But it's usually just fun. I mean, it's, it's a good way to get to know kids. It's a good way to relate to them. Do you I, stay in touch with many kids? It's funny because... Probably the ones that are still in town, especially well, the ones that a little kids. bit. You know, like at the Pumpkin Festival, it's, right. it's like crazy. Hey, Mr. Doe, hey, Mr. Doe, hey, Mr. Doe, hey, you know. And that's really cool. But, you know, if you look at it in terms of Facebook... I have never once asked a person to be a friend on Facebook. Not that I'm just not seeking it, but I always say any former student that asks me, I will pretty much say yes. Because mm-hmm. if I made enough of an impact on them to say, okay, let's be a friend, I'll say yes. And last year, as part of my professional development, I wanted to try something different. So I put out a survey to those former students I could get a hold of. And I think I got a hold of about 85 just to say, what do you remember? What do you remember about Tech Ed? Was there anything that, that, oh, that you took with you? 
and it was it was pretty overwhelming to to hear the things you know about how to get along with people, how to measure, you know, how to problem solve. That everything doesn't have to be perfect. You, to try, you yeah. know, it, making an effort, and it's it was really it was really neat to get that. So. So how so how would you describe tech ed? It, it's I mean I remember shop is literally we we had metal shop and we had wood yeah, shop. Yeah. I mean. It, well, that's what I thought I was going to get into when I first went, and then I went to uh, Ball State, which is one of the top technology education programs in the country. In fact, my work study job there was for the Center for Implementing Technology Education. I was writing technology activities for teachers, so they were really into it. And I look at it more like my eighth graders. We, we set up a company. They they build a wall clock. But we pretend like I'm a customer. I walk in and say, hi, I'd like to have some of these made. Okay, so I show them one. So they build a wall clock. They're, they're each going to make one, but they do it more like they're in a company. So I'd say, if I'm the customer, what questions would you have to ask? So we go through all that. Once we get through the questions, I mean, everything from what color, what size, when do you need it, pickup, delivery, what's your name? You know, mm-hmm. we get done. I say, I've left. Well, now what are you going to do? Well, you guys never got the guy's name or number. You know, just to kind of get them thinking. And then we figure out the cost. What would it cost to make this? Okay, if we have labor, if we're paying workers, how do we do it? If we have overhead, they don't have never heard of overhead in their lives. And, you know, um, then make a profit. Then we figure out what do we need to do, get for materials. Then they set up the lab. We set up jigs and fixtures. They set it up, have to flow through. They choose jobs. We run it, and we do it like a company. They actually create logos and advertisement, little advertisement thing for it. And so we set it up a little bit more because I tell the kids, I said, if you can name something you can buy start to finish, you can buy at Walmart, you can make anything you want. And I've been asking the question for 29 years, and nobody's come up with it. A couple summers ago, I did a a week-long National Endowment for the Humanities at Henry Ford Village in in, uh, Dearborn, Michigan. And there's this one guy speaking, and I'm like, I, I know that I've heard this guy. Well, he's on this video I show about the assembly line. And I'm like, ah, that's where it was from. So I told him that what we're doing, and he was blown away. He goes, in middle school, you guys are doing this? He goes, that's great. So I asked him the same Walmart question, and he pondered it for a moment. And nope, and this is the expert in it. So right. I was like, okay, so I'm really not going to get well, some smart seventh grader will probably figure it out someday, but who knows. Oh, so that's interesting. So do you work with the ATC at all? Do you, I mean, do, do you think of yourself as a feeder program at I, all? I, I, I do a little bit. We don't really have that much interaction, but like my eighth graders, after we get done with that, they go through a series of stations. One is electronics, another one is robotics, another one's computer drafting, another one's uh, 3D printing, another one's graphic design, um, another one's energy. Uh, and so I say these, and, and right next to the, excuse me, the stations, there's not only information about jobs that are in that, but classes at the high school they can take. So to me, it's their exposure. They're only there for a couple of days on each one. Uh, one of the neat stations we do is we do uh, Milford's Industrial Past. You know, we take the, oh, we use we use Chris Thompson's page from the Historical Society, and I'm having them look up what business used to be where um, Lord and Lumber, you know, Lord and Lumber, what what was there? Mm-hmm. Um, what businesses were the the uh, French and Heald Furniture Factories yep. below the Swing and Bridge? Yeah, all these kind of things. They have them kind of look at, and then we have them look at what do we have for businesses in town? Some of our big bigger things, Hitchner's, Hendrix, Aileen Candles, Airmar, Hightad, those kind of places that they can kind of look at and say, oh, you hmm. know, Milford is this way because we've had water power, and they don't realize that that was what kind of came about. So we do a little bit on that, too. I do have a note here that someone told me, I think it, I think it might have been Tony DeMarco, that um, you've, you, you've been doing some work with local companies to promote manufacturing. Oh, we've done um, some visits to uh, Amherst Label. Uh, we took okay. some sixth graders for field trips for like three years. This year, we didn't. It didn't work out for us this year. But yeah, we took them over there. They were great about getting us through and, and showing us that. 
it was during the National Manufacturing Day, which was a couple of weeks ago. And we just, we get so many kids yeah. and trying to get it in such a short amount of time, it, it just really makes it tough. So how does your class work? Is it, do you have like three different classes for the three different grades? Well, like, like right now, I have uh, two eighth grade in the morning, two seventh grade, lunch, and then two sixth grade in the afternoon. So every kid. But it's the same course, you just ba- you no, gear no, it towards. No, no, sixth grade, sixth grade is really problem solving. It's how to read a ruler because if you can't read a ruler, you're going to have a tough time moving forward. But is it all called Tech Ed? Yeah, one? it's all Tech Ed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's sixth grade. We, we do a, a lot of problem solving, a lot of working in groups. You know, uh, we actually even practice working in groups a little bit. You know, we do a break an activity. We're like, okay, how many people got an answer from the person next to them that they didn't see? And we're like, well, you know, there's the proof. Two heads are better than one. And uh, we kind of go through that. Seventh grade, they do CO2 cars. So they're doing some creating. They've got to do a little uh, design, drafting, and then they create it. So they're using tools. They're not going to be experts, but they're going to use the drill press. They're going to use the bandsaw so that if they get near them again sometime, they're not going to be scared to death of them. They may be able to apply the same concepts to a different tool that they're going to use down the road. I mean, I have some kids that are petrified. They get up there and I can't. I'm like, listen, if I thought you were going to get hurt, I wouldn't have you do it. You know, mm-hmm. If I said, well, last year, only four kids lost their fingers. <laughs> I might change my mind. But honestly, I've only sent from my room to the nurse because I got hurt in there, maybe two kids. You know, that's not bad at all. We're going to knock hard on wood (laughs) on that one. Um, But yeah, so they kind of go through and they get to try different things. So how has the building changed? Were you there? <clears throat> well, probably when you were younger, right? They were doing the addition right when so, I right uh, when I started. The addition was what the gym in the back and then the facade out front. Is that what? Um, if you walk into the main office now, the entry was really pretty much right there, and the calf was the calf in the band room was the gym and the cafeteria together. Mm-hmm. They were kind of there, so that's where it ended. Everything like my so everything to the right is everything wasn't there. to the right and kind of behind the calf. Um, the art rooms, the, right. the regular gym. Yeah, that wasn't there at all. That was all just field out there at one point. Interesting. Okay, so you also <laughs> coach a lot of sports. Yeah. Now, sticking to the school sports. So what So what? What? What school sports do you do you coach or have you coached? I saw a number somewhere. It was on one of your bios I read that you coached 42 seasons in aggregate. Yeah, well, this year will be my 40. 46th season, my unified season this year, my 46th season just at Milford, at the, at Milford just between at the, the middle school and the high school, yeah. So what um, do you teach? I didn't know you did. I'm sorry, what do you coach? All right, well, I started coaching freshman basketball when I was still up at Keene State. I freshman that, high school? Yeah, freshman high school. I did that for three years. And I went to Ball State, came back and did JV uh, basketball, JV softball. And I did varsity softball for a couple of years in middle school basketball. Were boys. you teaching at the middle school yet? Yeah, you yeah, weren't teaching yeah. at the middle school. Teaching at the, not the first, not the freshman, but then, yeah. Then I did took a year or two off from softball. I did softball again for another couple of years. Then I did middle school baseball for 12 years. Uh, middle school boys basketball, girls basketball, A teams, B teams, hmm. uh, variety. And then Unified came up. I think this is our eighth season. I'm pretty sure our eighth season. We were one of the original teams, Lisa Bianchi, I was coaching middle school girls basketball at the time, and she's like, "Oh, we need we need a coach." I'm like, "Well, I'm already coaching." No, 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 you don't get it. Uh, we need somebody. I'm like, and I knew nothing about what I was getting into. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So, 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 so she asked me, and so we go, and it's funny because my son Zach and Averill had already been helping out with Special Olympics over at Bale, so they come and. So we get to the practice, and I'm always used to having like a practice plan, you know, what we're going to do and how we go through it. And I didn't know. The coolest thing was here's my son, Zach, who probably was eighth grade at the time, and he just kind of took over and kind of said, okay, you know, he showed me the drills that they had already done. 
Now, this is what they've already done, so they're kind of comfortable with that. And uh, So can you just back up a little bit and tell more about what the Unified, unified is, okay, what unif- it really is? Okay, is unif- it part of Special Olympics? or did it just Well, it's, it is. They, they have a, a role in it, and H, NHIAA has a role in it, too. So basically what it is is you take special needs students and students with developmental disabilities and students without disabilities, and they're together on the same team. And on the floor at any time, you have three what we call players and two partners. So the players are the Special Olympics athletes. And... Um, they get out there and they play. They, they take the bus. They go to other schools. We play everything. At the first few years, when we first started, there were 16 teams. This year, there's 53. So in eight years, we've gone from 16. In the state? In the state. Is New Hampshire. In the state, New Hampshire. Um, and it's kind of changed. At first, um, there was playoffs and all that kind of stuff. And there still is a division with that. We never played it like that. We always played it like, let's make it the best experience for our kids. Uh, other kids, we literally check at halftime who hasn't scored for the other team? Okay, number four over there hasn't scored for them. Our team, who hasn't scored yet? We want to make sure mm-hmm. they get a shot. And, you know, the partners don't shoot. They really just kind of help. And different schools do it different ways. We try mm-hmm. to have our athletes handle the ball as much as possible. Some other schools, the partners will dribble the ball up the whole way and then hand it to somebody. Or it, it's, it's been, I mean, the first five minutes of the first game I coached, and this would have been my, you know, 40-some-odd season, 30 nights, I said, this is the best thing I ever did. You know, yeah, I mean, I'll just add. I've, <clears throat> I think I've only been to two games, yeah, and and I don't know. It might have been you. I don't know. Somebody had said to me, you know, you got to go see this. Yeah. So I went and saw it, and and it's re- it's really amazing. It's <laughs> it absolutely is. amazing. I mean, these kids are just just pure joy. Yeah. You yeah. know, when when the other team scores a basket, yeah. both teams jump on the yeah. kid. You oh know? yeah. It's, it's yeah. amazing. And we have kids. I mean, um, you know, I can think back of uh, Nick Mazio and. Uh, was one, and my son Zach, they wanted to, they practice bad rebounds, meaning instead of just handing it to the kid to the other team, it's like a bad rebound that falls out of their hand mm-hmm. that the other kid gets. So, it, you know, you want them to kind of feel like, well, they got something and they were able to go with it, but it's just everybody helps. I mean, yep. the real cool thing, you know, you have a guy, a kid like uh, Bryce Walker who's playing Division One baseball. Well, he did it for me with two years, and here he is. You know, a lot of kids at that time, they, nah, too big for this. Well, he's literally in the locker room helping kids tie their shorts and pull up their pants mm-hmm. and, and and going. You know, it just it shows that, you know, that, that caring feeling. Yep. And uh, it, it's, it, it's a blast. It, it really is. We always try to – our team always picks a visiting player of the game. So we kind of try to find somebody on the team who's probably under the radar. He's not the kid that scored all the points or the girl that scored all the points. It's somebody else out there that – you know, kind of pulled at our heartstrings, and, and I don't pick it. Our, my, my partners and players, they pick who they want to give it to, and they go present it. And it was funny, I went to a thing at West High School uh, last year, and I look outside the wall of the library, and there's the picture of their kid that we gave it to holding his little plaque, cool. just beaming. And, and that's what it's about. We just oh, say yeah. it's to make it a great experience for everybody involved, you know, and it's it's – it's fun. It's yeah, so it's, it's fun. not only the the special needs kids, but like you said, the what you call them helpers. Or helpers. The, the, well, the, here's another one because I I remember Zach doing it, and I think um, uh, Trey, Josh Clemens, did he? Josh, do Josh, was, Josh was a Josh was a great story. Quick, it doesn't really matter, but um, we were playing at Nashua, and we had they had a partner who was you know dribbling the ball all the time. You know, he was coming down and shooting three pointers. Well, we're, our goal is to get everybody. So this kid comes down. He was a good athlete. Josh stole the ball from the kid, and then he stood and dribbled and waited for one of our kids to come and <laughs> handed it to him. It was just, you know, but it makes a difference. So I had a, a person last year. I called him over and said, hey, what are you doing next year? 
and I don't want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but um, he said, I'm thinking I'm going to go to school for business. I'm like, okay. I said, but let me tell you, you've got a knack for working with these kids. You, you're very good. You're very patient. You're, you know, you, you, you're not afraid to, to, to dance out there with them and, and do everything else. You do a great job. I said, you ought to think maybe about doing something with this. Well, I saw his mom. His mom said he's going to school right now for special ed. He's a special great. ed teacher. You know, so it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that, you know? is, that is. So is, is Unified just basketball? Uh, we just have basketball, yeah. Okay. You know, other schools, they have track and they have volleyball and they have soccer. Um, but right now we just have basketball. And has the season started yet? No, no. We usually start right around the beginning of the year. Um, oh, really? Yeah, right around the beginning of the year. We don't have beginning soccer. of the calendar year. You begin, yeah. Okay. You know, we might do, do a practice or two before. We might actually even do a little jamboree this year early uh i'm not sure but it's it's not high pressure it's four or five games it's one or two practices a week and you know it's it's more of a bonding time mm -hmm. you know the kids get such a you know rj i don't know if you know rj murphy oh yeah oh yeah rj was loved it he, he actually asked mark marty if we could have farther bus rides you know most <laughs> people hate him we went to hinsdale and we had the frost heaves and he thought it was the greatest thing you know frost but that's another thing even this you know doing unified we always stop stop at mcdonald's on the way back they love that and for some kids it's the first time that they're ordering food without a parent mm -hmm. you know we're on that so we're kind of talking about okay here's what you're going to do you're going to go up there and it's just i remember one we we walked them through they did it. And the next week, we were at the same McDonald's, the one over in Merrimack, Penetrack Square. And uh, I walked over, and I come back, and I'm looking to help. They had already done it. I took care of it. And to me, it was just like, okay, that's cool. You know, that's one of those little things that you don't think about when you're doing it. But they're gaining some independence, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's neat. Oh, that's great. No, that's... I think if that's the only thing you did that qualified you as a citizen, no, yeah, just no. that. Oh, no, that's easy. This is such an easy thing to coach. You know, it really, it's it's just finding ways to get everybody in and, and having everybody contribute. And the kids that I've gotten to help as partners have just been fantastic. You know, uh, Megan Wood, who just did it the last couple of years, she came because her sister did her first year. And she would kind of help, like Colby Kelly, who passed away, um, just get out on the floor and back. But she was, like, so protective. If somebody tried to come and get the ball... And she was one of our best, and she, it was just because she had just such a caring attitude about everybody that was out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, and everybody kind of picks up on that, and they say, okay, this is what Megan's doing, or this is what my Zach was doing, or what, what Josh Clemens was doing, and okay, this is how it goes, you know. Oh, that's great. No, I, I love that. I wish I could try to get to see uh, some games <laughs> this year. We'll get them to film a couple this year, maybe. Yeah, there you go, Chris. <laughs> we'll talk to you about that afterwards, Chris. They're already planned. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> so MCA, what about MCA? How long have you uh, coached, coached there? Well, I haven't done it in a long time. My I, kids I think you're like me. We were there yeah, for our yeah, kids. Yeah, we were, they, we were there at that time, and I actually got involved before my kids were even there because coaching the middle school and all that other kind of stuff, just helping out with evaluations and those kind of things, how to run it. I don't know. I probably did it 10 years or so. You know, to me, my goal was every time I coached, I just wanted the kids that played for me to want to do it another year. Mm -hmm. That was the goal. It wasn't It wasn't when, you know, we had Dino Pioli coaching with him was great. You coaching with had the same kind of mentality of, you know, you, you want the kids to get the most out of it they can. Yep. Um, you know, my teams, the best kid would hit 11th, the best kid would play center field sometimes, whereas other teams, it's the same one through four. They'd pitch, catch, and play short. 
And, um, you know, it's funny because you'd have certain people, oh, yeah, we do the same thing, we do the same thing. And, like, geez, every time we played you, it didn't. And, you know, my teams didn't win as much, but I was pretty upfront with parents ahead of time that yeah. everybody's going to play. And that was the same way I ran through middle school. Everybody was going to play. You don't sign up to watch. Yep. If you want to watch, you can just show up at the game, sit in the bench, and then go home and, you know, whatever. But Yeah, I, I was the same way. And, and my kids, when they came when they came out of it, out of it, they all thought that the normal practice was – the coaches' kids are the ones that bat last. <laughs> the coaches' kids, if there's too many players, yeah. they're the ones that sit yeah, first. They yeah, thought that that was yeah. normal when, in reality, it's usually the other way around. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, because I'm, and I remember one story about you. <clears throat> there was, as you probably remember, your son umpiring. Are we going to this one? Well, not. I can, oh. well, we can, but oh. that's not what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I was going to talk about, you know, there was the um, the must play rules, and I think I think it was for baseball. Every player had to play three innings. I think that was the only rule. But as you know, it's a six-inning game, and most of the rosters were 12, 12 players. Yeah. So a lot of the coaches who wanted to win, they'd just take their six best players, they'd play the whole game. Yeah. Then the other six, three of them would play the first three, and the next, the other three would play the second yeah. three, which is, it's, I mean, that's terrible on so many levels. Yeah. And I remember I proposed a rule change that the same thing, three innings, but no no player could sit more than one inning, you know, yeah. which, which forces it to spread yeah. it out. Yeah. And I, I think I think you were the only one that supported me on uh, it. That, that would be what I would propose <laughs> along with you. So I yeah. probably, I did agree with you, and it was just... It's just too bad. You know, they make it so important that 10-year-old all-stars, it's like, well, you have 10-year-old all-stars. Not really. They're just the 10-year-old is not as bad as the other kids. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not at that stage yet. And, you know, people put so much stock into what that is at that age, and y- you don't know. And it's even more when you look back, when your kids are yeah. older and you yeah. say, they were 10 years old, they were 12 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's – yeah. It's, yeah. it's meaningless if, yeah. if one 12-year-old is better than yeah. – I mean, the difference between the 12 and 11 is gargantuan. Right. And that's, again, you know, I thought you were going to bring up the night when Robbie was umpire. And, you know, Robbie wasn't that old at that time. He was probably 15 or 16 and a coach getting on him. And it's – are you kidding me? You know, he's doing the best he can. I mean, just – and those are the things that, that I don't miss about sports. That's one reason I love Unified is yeah. that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. You know, everybody's happy for everybody. Oh, I agree. And, uh, yeah, I know that. I get just a, a, a tell another MCA story, but but it involves you. So I'm, I'm going to ask you if you do you remember? See if I get my dates right. Do you remember what you were doing on Sunday morning, October 17th, 2004? So 15 years ago, last week on a Sunday morning. Any guesses what you might have been doing? You know, huh? I do know. Jeez. See, it's one of these things. You sometimes you get this a bug in your brain and something that you that just sticks in your memory forever. And this is one one moment that. Was it a, a fall ball game? It was a fall ball game. So uh, back up a little bit. It was on December 16th. Was a was a Saturday night. That was game. That was game three of the 2004 yeah. American League Championship Series with Red Sox and yeah. the Yankees, and they lost that game. They got crushed, like 19 to yeah, four yeah. or something like that. That was the Saturday night, and they went down three games to none. Yeah. They're about to get eliminated for the second year in a row to the Yankees. Yeah. So the next morning, we were over in Merrimack at um, down, t- down, Twin, yeah, Twin yeah, Bridges. Yeah, that that field. Th- so we were playing. So. My team was playing your team. Yeah. I don't remember if it's like Milford one and Milford yeah. two or something like that. And Dino Pioli was your assistant yeah. coach. So we were we were both. I was probably his assistant. I don't remember. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. So we were opposing coaches. So we were opposing coaches. And normally, right, the opposing coaches sit in the dugout and they yeah. plan the strategy and coach the kids. Well, I remember we got the game going, and then the three of us we left the dugouts and we were up on the first baseline, just leaning over the fence, watching the game. 
the kids were just kind of playing themselves, yeah. and all we were doing was commiserating about the Red Sox. So, and I, actually, I don't remember that, but but I, I remember that. And we're just sitting there watching. The kids were having a ball; they're just playing yeah. by themselves, and they're the coaches. Just you know, they're not even in the dugout yeah, anymore. Yeah. So no, I, I don't remember that, but it doesn't surprise me because that's part of it. You got to let them play. It can't be go 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 go. Yep, exactly. All right, Bob Foster. So can you talk a little bit about Bob and, and, yeah, and what the foundation yeah. is? And, and um, Bob was a, a fellow who taught with us at Milford Middle School for 19 years. Well, Bob had been an Eastern Airlines pilot. And then when Eastern went under in his late 40s, he decided he was going to go back and get a teaching degree. So he got a history degree, did his student teaching over in Amherst. And as he was going through the same time, his wife, uh, Betty, had a stroke. Now, Betty was going as a doctorate in counseling. In fact, she had an office over here on South Street, um, Union Street, I think for a little while with Dr. O'Donnell, and uh, had a stroke. So here's Bob. They've still got kids that are high school age and younger, going back, getting a degree, and he got his degree. And he started at Milford Middle School in 1993, I believe. He was 51 years old, starting his first teaching job. It's funny because he and my wife both went for the same job. Well, she ended up getting a sixth grade job, but they both started at the same time. And uh, he was a great guy. You know, we'd go hiking together. He would, he would show up at the games. Um, he was a wonderful husband to his wife. I mean, his family, he has a niece in Indiana near where my wife is from, and he had it planned out how he could take his wife to Indiana and stop along the way. He knew the places to stop that had wheelchair accessible. Um, but he was, he was very active. He coached. He coached uh, softball at South He can help me coach middle school baseball a couple of years. And then uh, seven years ago now, on September 23rd, we, Kevin Ingram shows up in my house. I'm like, uh-oh, something happened. And he had had a heart attack, died instantly on uh, climbing Pacman Adnock, coming down Pacman Adnock. And uh, we didn't know certain things about him. We didn't know he was a decorated, multi-decorated Vietnam War pilot. Nobody knew that. He didn't talk about it. He just kind of went about his business. The other thing that came up was in his wallet, he had this little poem. It's a don't quit poem. And you know, when times are tough, I don't remember it off the top, but I know that people kind of know that poem. He had had it, it had folded in his wallet for, I think they said over 40 years, that, you know, no matter what's going on, you, you don't go. So we decided, you know, to not let Bob's memory die, so we decided to do a scholarship thing to give a kid, and part of their essay is, you know, what, what is it that you've done? What is it that you were down and you were ready to give up and you pushed through? And, you know, some of the things that just make you, you know, tears come to your eyes thinking mm -hmm. this poor kid has gone through this. And uh, so we've given out scholarships for that. Uh, we just gave um, money to have the nurse at the sixth grade camp. So we helped them with that. Okay. We've done some things with the school uh, sports teams, donated to like the ski. So the kids, he was active in sports and that's what he would like. The other thing that we do, it's kind of funny, is Bob was always good for going out on a Friday afternoon, go down someplace in town, just have a beer or two and then go. So what, and he hiked. So what I do, I started it again last spring because I did it when he was there. On payday Fridays during the fall and the spring, I'll, I'll lead a group of teachers on a hike. So like last week, we went up to Burns Hill. And mm -hmm. uh, afterwards, we go out part of a staff camaraderie. You know, it's to kind of bring staff together. And, you know, we've had, I don't know, probably over the course of it, probably 50 different staff members go at one time or wow. another. You know, we average probably 10 to 12 staff members that go. And like... Uh, this next one, we're going to go to Monson. Mm -hmm. Actually, we're going to do it on Halloween because Monson's, Monson's a haunted hike in New Hampshire, so we're going to go do that. But he, would, he always promoted staff. He always promoted mm -hmm. everything. And so we do the golf fundraiser for it, and we do the, the trivia night and uh, just to try to keep oh, – find great. a way to help out in the community a little bit. That's great. I, I didn't realize that the, – so the trivia night is part of uh... – 
We do it. We do a Bob Foster trivia night. It's we do that in the spring. We do the. Oh, okay. Costume. So this isn't the Postelov thing. Well, we end up doing it there, but it's not the thing that I'm doing tonight. Tonight, no. yeah. So, so what? So how did you get involved in, in the uh, the trivia stuff? Um, a friend of mine, Jim Bridges, uh, asked me one night. He goes, "Hey, do you like trivia?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And uh, Chrissy was running trivia down at Jay's, so I said, "Sure, I go down." So we went down there for a while and. For some reason, they stopped doing it. And then she went to the Postlof for a little while. The Postlof decided they stopped doing it. And then we went to Chapanga's, which is 603 Grill. Then they kind of went out of business. And then we, she got hooked back up with the Postlof to get. Well, then she started teaching a class at nights at Franklin Pierce because she's a teacher. And uh, she said, why don't you take over? Because I had filled in for her a couple times. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So that was over three years ago. And I've been doing it almost every Tuesday since then. It's starts at 6.30, goes till about 8, it's free, and there's there's regulars that come all the time, there's people that show up every once in a while. And yeah, I keep telling myself I want to get down there. Where I used to go, Paul Dargy, and I, actually Paul and Joan and my yeah. wife and I, we used to get out to um, 603. They used to do it every Tuesday night. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the lady that asked me. <laughs> I got a call, for, I got to ask a question from the manager. Hey, can you talk to somebody? Yeah, she's asking me, how do you do it? What do you charge? It was the lady that was running it. Oh, okay. That Kelly or... Yes. Uh, yes. yes so, uh, ours is a little different, too, because it's not just questions that there's a song clue with it you know i'll ask a question and say uh, what color is table salt and you're like geez i have no idea mm-hmm. so then i'll play like knights in white satin or white wedding or a berry white song or white snakes all of a sudden you hear it and you're like oh yeah white right so it gives everybody kind of a chance to get through sometimes they still don't get it but most people tend to like it it's pretty full house most tuesdays yeah no that that's fun i gotta get down this it is kind of fun you kind of do and that. it's free and it's, and it's free well <laughs> yeah. you can't beat that yeah and you can win a pizza or a round of drinks and Nice. So, all right. So another thing that you've done is the Eagle Scout uh, stuff. Now yeah. I know of two because one was my son, yeah. Robbie. You did yeah. you did for him. Yeah. Was it just the two? Uh, those are the two. I ended up being, I guess, an advisor. In, the more the. I forget what the I, yeah. I think it's advisor. Kind of more heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Robbie's and Kyle's Shadines. But um, I met up with David Spalding. He did a, a mountain bike and trail up on the top of Badger Hill in Mile Slip, and um, Kyle Leach. Yeah, he did an orienteering. So I just kind of met with him to mm-hmm. kind of go over some things. But somebody asks if I can help him, I try to help him. I don't know that I do a heck of a lot on it, but well, I try. I mean, the dugout one obviously is the one I know most about. And uh, that was a fairly involved project. Well, I did try to talk Robbie out of that. Yeah. Try to try something a little simpler. Now, have you built something like this before? No. Nope. Well, he wanted to build an entire field. His first, he wanted to build an entire baseball field. I said, well, let's. So that is toned down then. Now, I didn't realize he already toned down, but. Yeah. yeah, just, you know, if somebody asks, uh, I'll see what I can do to help. And kids yeah. are trying to, again, do something to give back to their town. If I can help them make it, do it a little bit easier, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for that. <laughs> so were you a Boy Scout? I was. I was part of Troop 4. The, troop. Down at uh, yeah, Shepherd Park, Down right? at Shepherd Park, yeah, that was Shepherd Park. Were you an Eagle Scout? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. I really went to Scouts because of the hiking and the, and the backpacking. Remember, we did the Wapak Trail a couple times, and... That's what I liked. I, to me, it wasn't always so much the badges and everything like mm-hmm. that. To me, it was, it was a way to get out in the woods. I mean, I've always been an out-in-the-woods kind of person, and that was a way to kind of go and have somebody take me on a hike or, or go for hikes. And um, I did a walk up at Federal Hill the other night, 
I haven't been up to Federal Hill in a couple of years. And I mean, we would did they did a winter camp out out there one time, and it was like, wow, that was really cool. You know, it's something that you can actually camp out in the winter. But hmm. yeah, I was a troop four. I think I got the second class. I think that's about as far as I got. I, I don't think I got past tenderfoot. <laughs> Remember going to Camp Carpenter, and we stayed out there, and oh, that nice. was a, that was a neat thing. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's great. Kaylee Foundation. So what 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 do you do with the Kaylee Foundation? Um, well, the beauty of Kaylee Foundation is you get to help people out again. It's um, Bill Andrews had asked me a few years ago if I'd be interested. I I really wasn't even sure what it involved. Do you know much about it? I do about the, like the history of Kaylee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That he you know he passed away and, because I don't. And, well, it was the Kaylee Mill, which is right down behind Red Arrow. That was the Kaylee Mill, and uh, when he passed away, he had a daughter. And after that, there wasn't much. So he put it into a fund, like the Kaylee Speaking Contest. There's a fund for that. I was wondering if that was the same. I know it, it was the same it, gentleman. It, it I didn't know. It's the same gentleman, but that's not us. That's okay. a di- different entity. And uh, he put in a trust that whatever interest comes back can be given back to something in the Milford area. You know, it's, uh, you know, if somebody asks us for, from, I don't know, Worcester, Mass., can you give some money to something? No, it's, it, it's really to help you. So we've donated a lot of money to share, uh, Meals on Wheels. MCA, the Conservation Commission over the years, uh, the town ambulance, we've, we've, we've worked with them, we bought them some sort of, they showed it to us year before last, something they can really look down in and see if there's a, a blockage. And But it's kind of a neat thing. Greg White is on it and Bill Andrews. Bill Andrews, and he's another one that could be sitting over here talking on this right now. You know, what a great thing yep. things he's done Bill for this well. town. And uh, But that's just, I kind of feel lucky. It's one of those meetings you go to, sometimes you, you know how it is, you go to a meeting like, oh, jeez. Every single time, it's just, all right, who are we going to be able to give and help out, you know? Yeah. And it's just, a, it's just a neat thing. I feel blessed to be involved in, on that. And uh, Yeah, and I'll also add that General Cayley, he, he's got the Cayley Park down yes, behind yeah, St. Joe's. Yeah. And then there's a field. One of the, isn't the 90-foot field up at North River Cayley Road? Cayley Diamond, yeah. It's Cayley, yeah, Cayley, Cayley Field, Park, yeah. So those are both names. Yeah, that, those well. are all kind of donations from that, that organization. I know... Uh, Greg's mom, Betty, was on it for a while, and Dick D'Amato was on it for a while, and Harlan Holt. You know, there was mm-hmm. some 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 people for going back quite a long time now. People have been on it, and it's just it's just neat to be able to say, okay, yeah, you know, we can help out Share, or we can help out the Red Cross, or you know, things that are going to help our town. That's great. All right, if if you don't mind, you want to talk about your brother Dan a little bit? Sure. Because I know yeah. I know you do a lot of fundraising in his in, well, his, in his honor or um, in his name. Dan, Dan was my youngest brother, and. Uh, so the five boys in six years. And when we got to the point where, you know, I'm 16, he, he's 10. And, uh, you know, it was kind of things that, well, my dad wasn't there to take him things. So I would remember taking him to BMX races or we'd go fishing or, you know, I'm going to work on a job and he would kind of come with me. And, you know, it's funny because even we shared a room together, you know, the oldest and the youngest didn't seem to make sense. But, hmm. you know, it really kind of did. Well, Dan and I would hike and do those things a lot. And uh, when he got sick, he had ended up rare form of cancer called nasal lymphoma. They said it's only common in older Asian men, and he happened to get it. But And then I realized, you know, for years I hadn't hiked with him. I was too busy with my kids doing MCAA or coaching or something, and we hadn't hiked much. And then when he was gone, it's like I blew it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't hike with him anymore. And it, it struggled for me for a while, you know, how do I keep his memory going? So... What I do now is every year he'd be alive, that's how many mountains I hike. So this year he'd be 49, so I'll climb 49 mountains. I get three to go. 
Wow. Um, they don't have to be big. They just have to be <laughs> something called a mountain. Um, Joe English Hill counts because he liked Joe English up in, up in New Boston. Yep. Um, but we do that. And then in 2014, uh, there's a Cohos Trail, which goes from the Canadian border in Pittsburgh all the way down to Crawford Notch. It's 170 miles. So I decided for my 50th birthday, I was going to hike that in his memory and uh, do it to raise money for cancer. Cancer Research Foundation, I did it through them. And I thought, you know, if I could raise a few hundred bucks or a you know, thousand bucks. I think I remember this. Did you chronicle it on Facebook yeah, or something? Yeah, I, I kind of kind of put it down. I had a trail journal on it. And so I, I, I did it and, and made over $6,000 for cancer research. Wow. And, um, you know, it, it, it was cool. I mean, it, it was tough. I at one point had to stop because my feet were so swollen. I couldn't get it in my feet anymore. And uh, it took me 12 days overall. But That's I made bad. it. The first, uh, let me see, the first... 110 miles i saw one person on the trail it's very wow. remote i mean it's it super kind of nice though in a way it was cool yeah. and it was way it was really cool i i had it set up well a friend of mine has a camper in pittsburgh so the first couple of days he was able to pick me up and drop me off so i didn't have to pack out in the woods but you know the raising the money for cancer that that kind of means something too is 10 years after dan passed my brother chris came down with the exact same cancer he had nasal lymphoma again very rare cancer so um but Chris's, they were able to, to tackle it and deal with it. And part of me is like, well, was the part of it the, the research or what they learned from Dan and maybe even money that went into that, is that what helped save Chris's life? You know, and, and I look at me just doing the hiking, that might have helped save my life. I mean, rather than sitting around, you got to get up and you got to get moving and you got to keep going. And, you know, there are a lot of times I can hear Dan in the back of my head going, come on, you wimp, let's go. And, <laughs> You know, a couple of cool things have happened. We did one time, we did a hike on Dan's birthday, Chris and I, and we had gone to Black Mountain, which is in Benton, New Hampshire. It was the last mountain I remember hiking with Dan. And Chris and I went up, and we did it, and didn't see a thing. And then we go to Mount McGalloway up in Pittsburgh and uh, the same day. And we get up, and it's, it's rainy, there's nothing. And uh, we get to the top of the mountain, and there's this gray jay there and it's squawking at us and Chris had never seen one I'm like oh that's a great day that's kind of weird literally it's from here to that camera up there squawking at us we walk in check out a view we come back and it's still there so I put out my hand and it came and ate out of my hand now gray jays are gregarious they're called whiskey jacks or lumber robber or whatever Canadian robber. they just take stuff but well my Galloway's where we spread Dan's ashes oh and this bird came out of nowhere I did another hike a couple years later on Dan's birthday. I went to Mount Hale in the White Mountains, and I get like 200 yards from the top, and there's a gray jay. It literally followed me all the way to the top. And I got it to the top, and I was able to get it. It landed on my hat. I put a little something up there and got a picture of it. Again, wow. on Dan's birthday. And I just read a book called uh, uh, Spiked Boots. It's about the logging loggers up in the north country of, of New Hampshire. And one of the passages it says is... Uh, you know, although those Canadian jays come down and they bother them, not a lumberman would ever shoo them away because they say it's a former lumberman coming back. Hmm. And I've always said, you know, I'm not yeah. super spiritual, but I always felt like that was Dan coming back and reading that, that that's kind of a tale that they had. Of, that's know. a great story. I yeah. mean, that's great. Yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it's good for you. If for nothing else, it's yeah. good for yourself, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it is. It's it good. is, yeah. Oh, so that's, that's a good story. All right, I'm going to give some, a few final questions okay. here to try to, to wrap things up. So some quick questions. Now, I'm sure that you've given, you're constantly doling out advice to your kids. Yeah. In school. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Best advice I've ever gotten. I don't know if it's any set words, but I think it's kind of like the example my mom set. You treat people the right way, 
and you will always get more in return. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go out of your way for somebody else, you don't do it, so you get more in return. But just just be a giving, caring person. It doesn't. You don't have to. You don't have to be the biggest, the baddest. The just be kind. You know, and that's kind of what I try to say to my kids. You know, I put a slide up almost every morning, and I've been doing it for the last couple of years. And there are things like that. You know. Mm -hmm giving to somebody else if, if you think you're the most important person in the world then you care about others if you don't then you care about yourself and it's it's just things like that just to try to get them to think mm -hmm. so it's to be kind you know you don't have to hug everybody you don't but it's just to treat people right i guess and i i'm sure i slip up on it like anybody else does but i think for the most part i try to treat people sometimes they might think i'm snobby but i I don't try to intrude on anybody either. I don't right. try to throw myself into somebody if I don't have to. But yeah. is that now? Is that how you want to be remembered someday? How do I want to be remembered? Oh my gosh! You know, I said said when I got that award, I can't honestly think of any kind of award that would mean more to me than that. You know, not being a major league MVP, not being, you know, that you gave back to your town, you gave back something. Um, you were somebody people could count on. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't. I don't need to be known as anything, anything other than just an okay person. You know. So what's next? Do you do you have anything, uh, anything on your bucket list, personal, professional? Um, you you seem to like what you do. I do. I, I like teaching, but this year has been the hardest year I've ever had. Yeah. Thirty years. This is the most difficult. Truly, at times, questioning: Is this my last year? talked it with Brad Craven a couple of years ago saying when are you going to get done I'm like I don't know we both kind of said the same thing why why hurry out this is great but things have changed and I probably with our the way our contract is set up now it sounds awful that I'll probably get done in the next four years um, from that I don't know what I'll do I'll maybe, maybe be a park ranger somebody's talked to me about maybe doing oh you'd be great at Beaver Brook you know going to do something I can see that something at that uh, I keep telling Cheryl we're going to move to Ecuador because it's cheaper down there um, she's not sure we've got a piece of property up in Cana Vermont maybe park the camper up there and depending on where my kids end up um, we'll not going to run go. for Congress no, Mr. No, Adoti no, goes to Washington no, I, I don't I don't think so I, <laughs> I don't know that that that's me I don't I won't say no but you know I mean I've been lucky I mean Cheryl my wife I dragged out here from Indiana and she didn't know anybody and you know, I knew, you know, growing up in town, kind of like now, you, you know everybody. And so my friends and their wives and girlfriends became her friends. And, you know, she's developed her own little niche here and is a fantastic teacher and has made great impacts on, on people. And my kids, you know, my kids, I mean, I look at myself. I mean, I get mad at my kids. You didn't empty the dishwasher. That's what I get mad about. Mm -hmm. It's not like you didn't do anything. And they've been wonderful kids. Two of them are looking to become teachers themselves. And... Um, you know, my son Zach just informed us he might be being moved down to Florida, uh, not Florida, North Carolina for his job coming up. So I've been, I've been blessed to have good kids, yep. good mom, good family, good friends in this town. Mm -hmm. I mean, I consider you somebody I'm, I'm a friend with. I, I can honestly say, even though we don't do things a lot, if I ever said, Tim, listen, I really need some. I, I know I could, you know, of course. count. Of yeah, course. That's exa and you know. the same thing, exactly. vice versa. You know, and I think that's the beauty of this town. It's mm -hmm. that, you know, like when Dan passed away, boy they had that fundraiser and I mean it was mm -hmm. out of the woodwork just I don't know it's it's a cool place it, it is. really is that's great all right so I'm going to end up here on a, on a light <laughs> note on oh, a light note okay okay so this is this is a lightning round 
Oh, I'm going to give you a bunch of quick questions, <laughs> one word answer, one sentence answer, okay. just to kind of right. peel back the layers of Steve Grody right. a little bit here. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're ready. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. All right. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Flavor, I'd say uh, Moose Tracks. Ocean or lake? Lake. Your favorite season? Fall. Red Sox or Patriots? Red Sox. What was the last Halloween costume you wore? Um... I used to wear a little mask because we'd go trick-or-treating with the kids, and I always put on a mask, whatever mask it happened to be, because, you know, on Halloween with the kids, we used to go up behind Rite Aid, the Highlands neighborhood, just to kind of stay incognito, so I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> Apple or Android? Uh, Android. Beatles or Led Zeppelin? Beatles. What was the last album you listened to? Last album. Um, Downloaded, sea, whatever. Sea of Tranquility by the Samples. Wow. Your favorite book? This book, Spike Boots, I loved it. Who wrote that? Do you uh, remember? Will, I do. I, I just I just was talking about it to somebody. Um, William Pike. William Pike. All right. Favorite movie? It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I made Cheryl. She moved, came out here in July. She had never seen it the first time. I we made her. I made her sit down and watch it in July. <laughs> not not Field of Dreams. You're not some. Oh, Field of Dreams. I loved it. We went to the Field of Dreams site and walked in the corner and Did played you? catch out there. Oh, I love you strike Field me some. My oh, wife I, teased me because every time at the end, you know, Dad, well, you, you know want to have a catch. But, I get choked up every but, single but time. But that's the funny thing is I didn't have that connection. You know, you so that's what I mean. It 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 just wasn't there. So it, it didn't. I know a lot of people say the same thing, but I love Field of Dreams. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world other than Milford, where would you live? Alaska, Ecuador, or northern Vermont. Ireland, maybe. I just some place I can hike, some place I can be in the wild, in the wilderness. I don't know. That's great. <laughs> all right, so was there, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't uh, cover um, at all? I do appreciate, you know, the fact to be able to say, you know, come this and share what living in a small town and, and staying in your small town means. I, I truly hope maybe one of my students hears it and says, you know what? I show them a slide. I said, you know, a lot of kids think the greatest thing they're going to do is when they get out, grow up and get out of this place. And I literally have a slide that says something about giving back to the community that helped raise you is a reward you'll never real. I, never, I don't know how it goes, but I've shown it for years. And then mm -hmm. here it comes, you know, kind of yeah. fruition. And it is true. Milford is a unique town. It takes a while to you realize it, but it, it really yeah. is. I mean, I, I didn't, I haven't, I've been here 26 years yeah. and I still feel like a new person. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great town. So it looks like that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Steve again for taking the time out of your busy day. Oh, yeah, thank you. We had a good time. And thanks to all the listeners for tuning in. I want to thank Chris Gentry, our GTM media manager, who has been our director and audio engineer for this episode. Our theme music today was written and performed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or most major podcast platforms. You can also stream directly from the Granitown Media podcast page at milford.nh.gov. As always, we welcome any and all feedback or suggestions you may have for future episodes. We invite you to go to the Granitown Media Facebook page or leave us a comment on the podcast page at soundcloud.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again for another episode of Inside Milford.